Welcome to Infinite Trek, where we cover everything Star Trek. From animated to live action, comics to novels, from games to real life tech. If it's Star Trek, or even Star Trek adjacent, it's here. So get ready to talk about Trek no matter what your knowledge level is. Whether you've been watching since the 1960s or just discovered Star Trek 47 minutes ago, we, we welcome, welcome you. you. Hello. <laughs> Bruce. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we have another special guest this week. Uh, welcome to Uh Bruce, yes, you. you. It's, it's you, Bruce. It's you. Yeah. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, no, no. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, no, we, we wanted to kick off the season three uh, episode of the season three season of discovery with a special guest and we always like to start a new show a new series or a new season with somebody and we decided that bruce it's been far too long since we've uh, asked you to come on that didn't make well, any sense i'm gonna well, i mean you're up to what over 100 episodes it's been too right long, 123 right? no we're on yeah. this is episode 12 <laughs> no it's Although it sounds like me. i'm talking about episode one i just <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it, behind the fitting. scenes how the sausage is being made i uh -huh. we were trying something new this week we're doing a an audio recap with screenshots and rendering doesn't really happen very quickly when you also have Streamyard running and everything else so what you're going to get is a half done version all the audio is there and some of the pictures are missing but <laughs> but it'll be good hey next that's week what we'll, we live we'll have for, that. right we'll take yes. whatever yeah we're all gonna all fly you know what I, I, I just real quick because I listened to last week's episode when you had Dan on Dan Gunther on and at the beginning of this show you said well at least we have two improvisers here well now you have three all three yep. of us have an improv so this should be a really interesting episode yay we're just gonna and start now, to, we're a new show now yeah exactly yes we need now to get both to of the you audience. shut up so I can say what I've been trying to say for five minutes <laughs> thank you this is like our other live show. Go on. Please. That's what I'm trying to say. It's so <laughs> fitting that you're here, Bruce, because it's been way too long since we've done a live show about Discovery. I know. It's like old times, isn't it? Except Aaron's not in the chat room. He's on here with us. <laughs> <laughs> that one True. caveat. That one caveat. But no. We're, well, one time we so were, weren't we all three together on the edge at some point? Yes. I'm pretty sure we so. were on a live from the edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at one point we First talked season, about discovery together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then life Thanks happened. Actually, real life improv happened. And that's why I had to like doing classes and shows and everything. It just was not tenable to also then try and do a live show <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. It's a bit much. Yeah. Brandy knows uh, about that. Mm -hmm. Yes. I Brandy do. is the queen of, of way too many podcasts. <laughs> yes, I am. I I am the queen of queen, the queen of queen. Oh yeah, queen of the quap. We've always said the queen of the quap, uh, and I obviously I do too many shows. I do too many shows. That was I, I I do. I'm the queen of doing too much. Yep. That's me. That was almost a British swear word. <laughs> Sorry. Uh. <laughs> Well, but besides Discovery, there's actually some other news this week. Well, related to Discovery, uh, we have learned that there is going to be a season four. Yay! Despite what it, the trusted sources say, 
they all say that yeah. and all of that is is that a bunch of people on 4chan repeating the same thing so if two or more people are saying it it must be true well, and course. there are no trusted sources because if there were they wouldn't be spouting this stuff but you know i mean who are you going to believe the 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 paid shills at cbs who actually work on the show or you know like that random person on youtube mm. well the thing mm. that makes me laugh is <laughs> the people that say uh yeah kurtzman's gone rogue <laughs> i'm sorry rogue. there is no way in hell that that is what happened you can't just suddenly start filming for a new yeah. s- a season of a, a series without a bunch of people knowing about it you put a tweet the that they don't like down and you're out of the company i mean it's just like it's mm-hmm. you're there's no no chance that that's going to happen no that one i hadn't heard that's that's crazy yeah, I, I actually saw that one, and I'm just like, okay. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's been fired, you know. He's been fired again. Uh, yeah, what several times. That? He just refuses to leave. I mean, they it's, really should get like, better security. I think it's, like, up to, like, in the hundreds now, the amount of times he's been <laughs> fired. So, Well, I, I always joke that that's, uh, the show never aired. It's been can- it's, it's a pre-cancellation paradox. <laughs> 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 Well, I did hear it was canceled in February of 2020. So, you know. Yeah. If you, I, I have a timeline that somebody put together after we, we made this list of all the, okay, it's not coming. It's been canceled. They stopped production. It, the season one's launched, but the, the, uh, the uh, response was so horrible that they're taking it down. It's stopping mid season. I mean, and you just put all of those together and it's just, it's ridiculous. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't so, understand people. It's so ridiculous to the point that now I think it's valid. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the reason I say what? that is because, you know, all these things of it's happening, it's not happening, or whatever, all these, it reminds me of work. Like when I'm at my job, every all these rumors are going around. So even if somebody knew somebody at CBS, they're probably hearing these things because rumors are always going around, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one can make up their minds. There was probably a board meeting where they're like, we're not doing a season four. Yeah, we are. No, we're not. Yeah, we are. No, we're not. And YouTube is just listening in. <gasps> they said, no, put that on. <laughs> well, I could see, you know, given the pandemic that there's probably, you know, there's challenges for another season. I guess they wrap season three, what, four or five days before the lockdown. Ooh, so before, yeah. they, they, they got under the wire. So, Good for you know, them. they're, Yeah. And they're able to do, you know, the animated show just because that can be done from people's homes. I think that they mentioned that somebody was recording audio like in a closet. So they were like didn't go into a, a recording booth necessarily. <laughs> so basically wow. like podcasters have been doing for what? How many years? You know, mm-hmm. mm. they can learn from us. They yeah. could. You just need a good quality mic. <laughs> there are yeah, exactly this is Brandy and I've had this conversation. There are so many new podcasts now because people don't have anything to do but <laughs> podcast uh, and they're like oh my goodness like how how do you get the audio to be it's like it's a mic you just get you can't use your earbuds you can't you know there's uh-uh. a, there's there's a, a really simple answer that i don't know why people don't reach sooner you know and it doesn't have to be a super expensive mic it just has to be a decent one yeah yeah and I yeah. Agree. and putting yourself in a closet with clothes or something does deaden a lot of the sound and you know, I, I love when you watch or listen to a podcast and you just hear sirens in the background or something and they incorporate it in like, oh, they're coming to get me now. You know? 
that's what the improvising, like taking taking the 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 problem and making it a gift, basically. You know? Yeah, it's real. Yeah, so, there there yeah. are no wrong moves in improv. Actually, there are, but but you <laughs> yeah. know, if somebody I've says something, I always hated that. I'm like, I'm sorry, there is. <laughs> yeah, there are. There is a wrong answer, and yes. that the wrong answer is no. You never, yeah. you never negate someone's reality. <laughs> Sometimes it can work. There are instances when you can say no. Yes, you can say no, but yes at the same time. But what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. is, you know, You're I right. come in and say, oh, I'm so happy to see you, granddaughter. Uh, You're not my grandma. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, True. That. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we had a, yes. Yes. We had a contest <laughs> to, uh, like, what is the quickest way to end a scene? And I, I just walked out and shot somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. And they, if, they, if they take that as reality, well, then they're dead. And then it's over. So... <laughs> Goodbye. I I have once ended a scene that way, but it was it was always building that to that conclusion that this person was going to oh, die. So yeah, yeah. We've done improvised. Well, I haven't done it, but I've seen improvised checkoff being done. So you always have <laughs> <laughs> like the possibility somebody's going to end up dead by by some means. Mm. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, speaking of of uh, Chekhov's gun, I don't know where that is leading to. That was actually a, that would have been a good lead in if we were talking about. Um, crisis point on lower text <laughs> yes. where where we had a da vinci's uh, gun basically uh but i we're going to try something new this week uh we're going to run a pre-recorded recap of the show that we watched so we don't spend the entire hour just trying to recount what the show is and sprinkling random things in between. So, uh, and this is, this is new. So uh, I'm trying a different technology. So give me just a second here. You guys can speak among yourselves as I get this. Oh ready. my gosh. It makes me nervous. I'm nervous too. I'm nervous. No, I'm not sure how nervous. this is going to work. I, I'm not I really know. nervous. Just, well, now you're, yeah. Nervous. <laughs> like, now you're making me nervous. I'm only nervous for Aaron. Cause I know Aaron's probably nervous. Okay. okay. I'm ready. And if he's not, he right. should be. Oh, Oh, well, now he's definitely nervous. All right, then. Okay. Here we go. It's working, okay. right? Yes. That Hope Is You Part 1 opens with Mozart Symphony Number no. 45 in D major. We see a man going through his daily routine over and over, always ending with the dapper old man sitting at his desk with an old case with a Starfleet symbol on it and patiently activating what appears to be a galaxy-wide signal search. Whatever he's looking for, it would appear he's not yet found it. In a sudden dramatic change of pace, we cut to a debris field. One piece of wreckage is a very familiar-looking saucer shape with an NCC on it. A dogfight between two ships of unknown design is careening through the debris field. The ship being chased is sleek and has a futuristic navigation. On the view screen, an angry alien is hurling insults and demanding that the pilot return a stolen item which he himself had stolen. That pilot is Cleveland Booker, or Book, and his ship's computer is warning him that a space-time anomaly has been detected. Flying out of the anomaly is Michael Burnham in the Red Angel suit. She smacks into the ship being chased and starts tumbling towards a planet. Her suit's system is unresponsive, and the only thing she can do is reboot. And you know how a computer always seems to go slow just when you need it the most? Uh, this is the ultimate version of that. We see Booker's ship is also in a similar dilemma, and both crafts are leaving smoke trails and creating sonic booms as they fall from the sky. While her faceplate is cracked and life support is failing, she's come out relatively unscathed for hurtling through time and hitting the ground. Michael's suits deactivates freeing her. She grabs an emergency pack from the back of the suit. It contains a tricorder, a badge, a phaser, rations, and what she's looking for, a communicator. 
She flips open the communicator and calls for discovery with no response. Soon, the reality of her situation begins to sink in. The suit tells her that she has reached the year 3188, and that yes, there are multiple life signs, so it would appear that their mission was a success. She begins screaming with joy, but it's short-lived as her suit sends her an alert that the wormhole is closing. She quickly sets the suit to go off into the wormhole, send the final signal to Spock, and self-destruct. She proudly places her Starfleet badge on her flight suit, and with some great pain forces herself to make her way towards the other plume of smoke in the sky, the crash site of Booker's ship far off in the distance, and the opening credits roll. The intro has a few changes. The crystals have gone from green to red. Some worker bots similar to Efren and Dot have appeared. There's a new phaser, what I think is Book's ship, and what we assume will be the new Starfleet badges. The updated logo strangely still has the Star Trek and the Discovery font. CBS has been rolling out the classic TOS Horizon font as the unifying brand element, so it's kind of strange to see the old Red Rail Superfast font. And we end with a distortion of some kind. Back from the opening, Burnham approaches Booker's downship, and he springs a surprise attack on her. After some back and forth, they are able to talk things through, but only after Burnham puts an antique phaser to his head. At first, Book is not interested in where Burnham came from, as she tries to deduce exactly what happens. It turns out that the planet is not Terralesium, but one named Heem. She pleads with him to help her, and because it's a television show, he does. They enter his damaged ship, and Burnham marvels at the technology. Booker makes reference to a dilithium recrystallizer, technology pioneered by the Zahia that eventually found its way into mainstream use, apparently. And then we meet Grudge, his giant Maine Coon cat, and the rest of the show is all about Grudge. Uh, well, no, but she probably wants you to think that. Book explains that they have to get to a place called the Mercantile in order to trade for Dilithium. But what will they trade? Burnham's antique tricorder, of course. There are a lot of 32nd century cosplayers who would pay a pretty penny for a screen-used Discovery-era tricorder. As they leave the ship, we learn that the cargo he stole is temperature-sensitive. Some conversation and comment about Burnham's Delta Shield leads to the devastating fact that the Federation no longer exists. Naturally, this comes as something of a shock to Burnham. She presses him for more information, and then he talks about the burn. But of course, she doesn't know anything about that either. The burn turns out to be not an Omega particle, as a lot of fans hypothesized, but instead it was a day when every dilithium crystal aboard every starship exploded for reasons. This probably isn't going to turn out to be a natural phenomenon, and obviously there are links to the first round of short treks, specifically the episodes Runaway and later Calypso. Burnham vows, no, the Federation is not just about starships and warp drives, it's about a vision, and those people who believe in a vision. They continue to a vast, sprawling city laid out in front of them, feeling a bit like Free Cloud from Star Trek Picard. To gain access, they must first clear security, and of course, Burnham doesn't have any identification. Book, using his charm, and more importantly, the lure of money from antiques, convinces the Andorian guards to let them enter. Once inside, Michael hands over her tricorder for Book to exchange for Dilithium, and instead of taking her to the communications array, where she hoped to send another message to Discovery, he leads her instead to the vault, and she suddenly finds herself trapped in a confinement beam. Book snatches the rest of Burnham's gear, and at first she pleads with him, and then she promises to kill him. But Book's only concern is completing his current assignment, and he takes off before any authorities arrive. And Orion and Andorian begin questioning Burnham and give her a dose of a truth drug, which results in some hilarious side effects and really interesting camera moves. Soon Burnham could give Tilly a run for her money in the chatting department. 
We cut back to Book having a hard time selling Burnham's antiques, and when we return to Michael, the guards are asking about what cargo they were hauling. I, I don't know, but it was temperature sensitive and really, really valuable, so it's probably ice cream. Mmm, ice cream. The guards take Burnham to find Book, and they find him getting a beatdown from Cosmos, the guy chasing him in the opening scene. A lot of cliché, I don't like you, but we're going to fight together, happens, and before the pair escapes, with the aid of a 32nd century portable transporter, Burnham scoops up some dilithium. The guards follow, pinned down and unable to dispatch all of them, Book grabs Burnham and they leap from the edge of a cliff and activate a transporter as they fall. Thankfully, they land in a lake, and Book helpfully provides the exposition that that board doesn't work on water unless you've got power. I, I mean that it can't be tracked underwater. Really? That's what you're going with in the 32nd century? Okie dokie. Burnham was wounded in the fight, and Book performs some sort of prayer, causing a plant to emerge from the water and give him some blue gel. Book says it will aid in her healing, and people say that the animated series is weird. As they recover, Burnham confirms that she is indeed a time traveler, and we learn from Book that all time travel technology was destroyed after the Temporal Wars, an event referenced in Star Trek Enterprise episode Stormfront. Burnham and Book eventually reach his cloaked ship, but are unsurprisingly ambushed by Cosmo and the Andorian and Orion guards, and even Illurian. In a twist, the guards turn on Cosmo, blasting him before demanding Book's cargo, which they intend to keep for themselves. A giant slug emerges and eats everyone, much to Burnham's surprise. Then it turns on Burnham and eats her. Thankfully, though, we get a spider-cow lower-decks Boimler kind of moment, and Book again uses his Dr. Doolittle skills and talks the transworm into spitting Burnham out. Now back on the ship, repaired and traveling at warp thanks to dilithium, Book explains that he's, among other things, a conservationist, saving those transworms now that the Federation is gone and no one is enforcing the Endangered Species Act. He talks about his connection to lifeforms and a little bit about his family, explaining that they are all poachers, but he's taken a different path. In our final scene, Book takes Burnham someplace she might get some answers. They fly to an enormous wrecked Federation relay station. They make their way to the attendant's office, where we see the man from the beginning of the episode sitting at his desk. Hello, welcome to Starfleet. May I help you, he asks. Burnham introduces herself with her name, rank, and serial number, and the stunned man helps them search for Discovery. They don't find it, and he explains that he only has limited scanning range. He's been cut off from other sectors long ago. He produces the aged Starfleet case, and we see that it's actually a futuristic Federation flag. He explains that it's been in his family for generations, and only a commissioned officer may raise it. The episode ends with the raising of the flag and a vow from Burnham to find the other Federation members that are out there somewhere. Ta-da! Ta-da! I would like to raise more... the point, yeah, the transform <laughs> has a name, okay, and that name is Molly. Wait, what did, where did, was that in the show? Yes, it did was I somehow, in the I missed show. that. Okay. He called her Molly. Oh. Molly O'Brien. Th- <laughs> <laughs> All come together. That's why O'Brien is the most important person in Starfleet. Yeah. They're even they're even naming transworms after his children. Yeah, <laughs> I did not catch that, or I or I th- assumed that it was like a some kind of nickname sort of thing. I don't know. Oh no. All right. Okay. Well, yes, and I did throw in a, a little bit of editorializing in there, but I figured we'll probably share this, you know, back and forth. A lot of different people do the the intros, but does that seem to work a little bit better? 
I know we're working this out live on the air. Um, but I think it, it feels like now we can actually just talk about the episode. Yes. Yeah, because I haven't seen it. So that recap really helped. <laughs> <laughs> that was something I should have said at the opening because with, with Lower Decks, it wasn't so much of a, an issue, it felt like. But with Discovery, this will be a spoiler show. And I will put that in the audio version uh, so you'll get that ahead of time. But yes, there should there's this is going to be spoiled. Yes. We, we can't not talk about it. <laughs> no, I don't know how you would talk about something like this without spoiling it. It's just, you know, there are so many things that happen in this episode that are spoilery. Yeah. And Dave says, uh, for the synopsis, I would say more recap, less commentary. <laughs> Co-host should have an opportunity to make counterpoints. Okay, when you're recording this at two in the morning, then you can do it. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that, yeah, no, I agree. And, and I realized that I used to do this all the time on Saturday morning track. I have lost my ability to concisely condense a story. So I'm trying to work on getting that to be like half the size. Right. But yeah. So... Anyway, uh, so we're just we're trying out some new things. We've got a new series. Thought it'd be fun to try something a little bit different. Yeah, I like it. I know that you were missing some pictures. Yeah, so that would help if they were. Yeah, yeah. It I still like the render uh, in time. Yeah. Well, I found out what happened. I, I it rendered what had been saved, but I didn't save it before I hit render. So most of that was finished, but it just didn't come out. Anyway, right. I'm not going to make excuses for the technology, but. We, uh, we will persevere. Uh, so what did everybody think of this episode? Start with the guest. Oh, yes, no. Bruce. Um, well, I, I like the recap. Um, so, but no, okay. I, what did I think of this episode? I really liked the episode. I love the episode and it's for various reasons. But just to sum it up, I like that we are seeing this future and learning about it. And there's some interesting points in there and uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So I'm not, but you know, the pacing of the episode, I really like that. I like the fact that the episode stays with Burnham the whole time, as opposed to having the story a and B back and forth. I'm glad that mm -hmm. we held off the discovery for later because I just want to see Burnham's journey and just stick with her through this episode. And I really like that with the pacing of the episode. So I, I think it makes you feel like just it, it gives you the right feeling and the situation that's going on as, a, as opposed to bouncing to something else. And it just sticks with that. So I love that. I love seeing the different aliens being used and uh, the music in this and just Burnham just loosening up and just having fun and at times just being really enthralled with something and really excited there's just so much going on and I, and I love book book. I really loved him as a character. Yeah. I love his interplay with Burnham. She, she goes from one emotion to another, but at the same time, he's very stoic. And so it's a nice blend of the two. She can be that way too, of course, but mm -hmm. then she has that moments, those moments there. And I think it really interplays with him very well. Those are just some thoughts. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think what I, it, when I first watched it, the first couple times I watched it, I was sort of thinking like, wow, this is all kind of expected as far as what happens. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that allows you to actually concentrate more on her emotions and what she's feeling as opposed to like, now you're trying to work out this really complicated plot. It's like, it's 
we're we're just seeing it through her eyes, but we're getting a lot more emotion than we would if we were trying to create something quote unquote unique of a way for her to come into the the future and all this these events happen because they all kind of feel semi-predictable when you watch it it doesn't feel like it jump oh my gosh i didn't see that coming you know so it's it's nice that they held off on trying to make everything a crazy mystery yeah and also just to add the fact that it just stays on her she's in the future she's in an unknown place and an unknown time so make it feel like it's she's isolated for yes. a while yeah and so that just leaving her in this episode really helps it because she's the only one from the 23rd century that we have in this whole episode yeah. And I like that when you see the stuff in the mercantile, like it's weird. Like, what is it doing? Why are these things? And they, but they don't explain it. So you just feel as out of place as she does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when they the shoot step. that one thing, that's like the weird goop comes flying out. And you're like, what the hell is that? Right. Right. But they, that's the other thing. They're not explaining the ship. I mean, there's a little bit where she's like looking at things and asks right. about it, but I mean, it's not like, well, let me tell you how the ship works, <laughs> you know? Right. It just is. It's just there. Yeah. I like that. And there have been people who have pointed this out. It didn't occur to me at first because I, you know, it. I'm having a difficult time saying this. There are no white people in this episode. Oh. And that is a refreshing change of pace you have book you have michael and you have aliens there isn't a <laughs> white man within 20 light years of this episode and it is just like what i didn't even think about that but yeah you're right mm -hmm. yeah and i yeah. didn't think about it at first either but it's so groundbreaking for so many people that because it's you know it doesn't affect us you know, it doesn't affect us. It's not representative of us per se. And yet, at the same time, it is representative of us as fans in the character of Sahil, which I'll get to later. Not there yet. But it's just, there's there's so much mm -hmm. that is yeah. groundbreaking about this episode without being in your face going, here, look <laughs> at this thing we did. Yeah. And just visually, I think we've just gotten used to it, but it's like, this is movie level quality stuff. It looks so good. And the mm -hmm. location that they chose feels alien. There's not a tree or a plant, or there might be some scrub, but you know, it's just very, you just feel isolated. You feel what that environment is throwing at you. It's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah, it, it makes me want to go to Iceland. Where yeah. It's this so so many weird environments in one country, Iceland. Yeah. 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 It's such a small one too. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, I did, I remember watching the episode at one point thinking, oh, the leads in this are not white, you know, but I didn't think about it being the whole episode until later when I heard somebody say that online, that there's no white people. And I was like, yeah, when you really think about it, I mean, there's white people there under alien makeup, but none of the right. characters yeah, or white. I think there was one white guy in the background in a business suit. I seem to remember that in the mercantile because I remember going, "That's a really ugly suit." <laughs> so I, I picked it yeah. out, but yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Yeah, because even uh, also the Federation the, liaison isn't. I mean, none of them are. No, mm -hmm. that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the Orion and the uh, the Andorian, is it just me or did he, did their makeup seem really glossy, like almost like plasticky? Like their skin seems different. 
they might have an oil control problem. You know, don't <laughs> watch. Okay. They just need some blotting paper and they'll be fine. No, but is it, I mean, that's, is, am I incorrect though? Did it sort of look a little, they look Maybe. different or slightly off or something. I don't yeah, know. Well, it's saying. also like 930 years in the oh, future. Yeah. So we don't know how things are supposed to look anymore. True. They're recognizable, but they don't necessarily yeah. have to look the same as what we've known yeah. before. True. Yeah. I. You know, the Andorians, they almost looked a little too plastic to me. You know, like too blue, like just not natural enough. Oh, right. Like they're wearing blue makeup as opposed to actually like blue skin. Yeah. yeah These do feel just... like they have skin. I mean, like they're that that's one positive thing. They don't look it doesn't look like they've applied something to them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what's different about it. It's just that's been accomplished. So it's just your your brain is so used to seeing somebody with makeup on mm. being blue. Yeah, so that, that might actually be it. Yeah, exactly. I think that is it for sure. Yep. Yeah. By the way, those two guys did have names, and I know I I don't know how they're pronounced, but I pronounce them Ithic and Ithor. <laughs> <laughs> I want to show with them. Unfortunately, it's too late. But maybe a prequel. Yeah, yeah. The, just a maybe a short trek <laughs> following that would be the adventure good. of yes. Ithic and Ithor. <laughs> they just seem like they're. It's sort of a, you know, uh, what is it the. Felix uh, Unger and Oscar. Odd couple. Yeah, the odd couple. Yeah. It feels a little bit like that. Yeah. It, it may actually be Ithic and Ither, but, you know, mm. they, they didn't give us pronunciations and we never actually hear them say the names. I just saw them in the subtitles and I'm like, Ithic and Ithor? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I thought it was Ren really and <laughs> It's a bit. A bit. <laughs> Don't say I'm an Ithor. That's not nice. No. <laughs> and, and I'm not thick at all. Yeah. I, I feel great. <laughs> Me too. I, they, but they were, they added a really nice bit of flavor to that. What could have been just a, a throwaway, a couple of people or scenes, you know? So I, I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. And just the, the whole thing with the, the truth drug was hilarious. It's amazing. It has its own integrated consciousness. <laughs> yes, that's it what does. it said. Yes, yeah, oh, that's right. And 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 I can't remember which ones I think and which ones I Thor, but the Orion says yes. It makes people want to talk. Yes, mm -hmm. but she says, "Don't give this to my redheaded friend." <laughs> yes, yeah. I have a friend with red hair. Do not give her any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Tilly doesn't do great with drugs, and Tilly then would talk their ear off. Because she's even well, maybe reverse. That would be weird. Maybe yeah, maybe a... maybe her natural tendencies would actually be to be silent. Yeah, mm, could be. And then, mm. Mm. That could happen, actually. Yeah, because yeah. like when I'm drinking, I tend <laughs> to get more silent after so many drinks. So maybe that's the case. Or Tilly is always on this drug, and we just don't know it. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> Do not besmirch my dear Tilly. I will come over there and give you what for. This is like our live shows. <laughs> you always threaten me at least once. At least once. <laughs> we this did say I that didn't... this is the spiritual successor to the unready room. So <laughs> yeah, this well, the thing is, is that you know, I never I didn't threaten you with bodily harm this time. So at mm. least there's that. Not there's yet. progress. There's progress. <laughs> <Yes. Exactly. laughs> That's great. 
Oh yeah, and the uh, camera work on her. Yes, she, oh, yes. The camera so stays. You know, the lens moves with her face. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. I, it took me a second to figure out what was like. Okay, it's when her head goes down, then everything just tracks with her. Yeah, that was just, and that's what it feels like when you're in the loopy consciousness of like everything kind of is moving. It's just this oh. odd way. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll take your word for you, that. You've never, yeah, you've never experienced that. I, I haven't had that drug. <laughs> well, I'm assuming it's a similar experience to other types of drugs. Oh, yeah. okay. I'll take yeah. your word for it. I've had a lot, a lot of medication in hospitals, so <laughs> it's like I feel like yes, it would work. Yes. Um, no, but that they, I, it's just more of the incredible like filming and how fantastic everything looks. They just, you know. They didn't have to do that. There's a lot of things they didn't have to do, and it mm-hmm. still would have been completely fine. But they, yes. you know, like even when they're we're in the beginning, we're looking at the guy getting ready for his day with the the bed that sort of comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. which everybody wants apparently. So, because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you could just hey, I'm done with the bed and it's gone. You don't have to make it or anything. Yeah. Uh, they have like these great overhead views and with the lighting and everything. It's just like there's just it, everything felt like a painting. It was yes. really well done. I figured that, that that thing that they shot in the mercantile that started spewing out stuff, it's probably that same system that just, it's like really advanced replicator. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I feel like it was, but I don't know. And it's okay that I don't know. I don't need to know everything. It's like smart matter or something that like reprograms with nanotechnology or something like it's it's almost like tiny replicators Mm -hmm. just in in a huge you know like what is it in stargate the uh yes i was just going to say that you beat me to it (laughs) sorry (laughs) oh and speaking of other sci-fi shows i thought that the uh the station in the beginning and at the end kind of reminds me a little bit of the the armistice station in battlestar galactica the reboot yes where the guy yes. was just sort of like waiting for somebody every, to show up every every, yeah. t- every however many years and yeah, no years one from the cylons ever showed up until that one day and oh yeah so this was this was the positive end of that version of things but yeah <laughs> yes it went much better that would be a great edit just have like suddenly six shows up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, oh no <laughs> that's on the next episode yes. <laughs> oh man hi just call me control <laughs> <laughs> it's great though discovery is like basically reinventing itself every time we have like season one was a a war story with the klingons season two was you know killer ai and now season three is sci-fi thrown into the future more sci-fi mm-hmm. so it's like the- yeah, and and those things those things are you know the things about the plot, but there were different themes mm. about what the show is about right. in each season, and that I loved that season two really established everyone as a family, so that yeah. we can see how that affects their dynamic in season three. So, can't wait to talk about other episodes yes too gotta hold it in oh there's other episodes <laughs> yeah yeah possibly possibly it's this, it's yeah but thing. nobody has seen yeah. them no nobody. no one no one no. on this planet has seen anything besides the first episode exactly nope. which not even I, the people at the uh premiere Mm-mm. exactly no they're they're just nope. told that they saw more than one 
Mm-hmm. They right. gave him that and drug that burned him. They back. did. They did. Mm-hmm. They did. And they made up whatever they wanted in their head. So everybody's seen a different episode. Yes. <laughs> that would be really confusing. Mm. That would be interesting, too. <laughs> everybody has their own headcanon season. Huh. Yeah. So, that would be... I'm glad you said headcanon because when I was talking, so Dan Gunther and I recorded Positively Trek today, which that mm-hmm. will come out on Monday when we talk about this episode. But, uh, we talked about the the guns that go on your hand. And oh I said, yeah, I don't think we know what they're called. And he said, "Oh, I read somewhere they're called hand cannons." And I'm like, <laughs> "So, in my head cannon, their head hand cannons." <laughs> so if you get something with like a helmet, then it's a head cannon. <laughs> the head cannon, <laughs> boom, boom, right out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. And Bernard would really laugh at that. Oh, yeah. I just love her just like cracking up at everything. Because like, yeah. oh, so she, you know, mm. Burnham of season one, if this had happened to her, it would just be a really dire episode. Everything would just be just so heavy. So I love the fact that she's grown as a person and she also, she just sort of like, I love that scene where she forces herself to like, I put this on the badge and I'm just going to keep moving forward as opposed to just kind of giving up or collapsing or just even kind of falling within herself, which I thought was, you know, pretty amazing. And it feels, we were talking about themes. It, this was unknowingly like it echoes so much of what's going on right now about being, removed from everything that you knew or how things were and feeling alone and just just that sort of okay i've got to make myself move forward so it's uh, unknowingly they created like the uh, perfect analogy that, that star trek is good for when they even tried to do it on purpose for the pandemic without being hey it's a pandemic because that when they do that you know like an enterprise that i don't think is quite as successful Mm, where they yeah. basically had 9-11 in space and like okay that's too much on the nose right well to be fair michael does give herself a moment to mourn everything that she's oh, lost yeah. and you know i have several cry points during this episode that wasn't the first one but it was definitely a big one because she's you know she's she's alone she has nothing but herself right now she doesn't know if discovery has made it through or if they're ever going to make it through and she's hurting for all of these people that are now long dead yeah and then she goes into what i call vulcan mode mm-hmm. and which she has which is lucky yeah. yep that that training is going to serve her well throughout this entire season <laughs> and she just gets up starts walking so yeah and that's all you can do and and mm-hmm. She essentially motion. is the most alone person in that galaxy. Mm-hmm. Just or at least most removed from everything she knows. Yes. I, I, I like that people don't I think because they must be used to time travel is a thing. Nobody seems to blink at that. Uh, I do like that it's like, why don't you know things that we know? But there's not like you're crazy, you know, or whatever. It's just well, a little no. suspicious as opposed to like maybe in her time wouldn't be like this doesn't make any sense what do you well, mean that's you're a time because, traveler that's because they've been you know they know the history of the temporal wars right yeah so i just love that they don't blink so that's great yeah well apparently if you're british though it's temporal so temporal 
Yeah, we've noticed and that. We've noticed that. <laughs> isn't that what you, you get? Like, sushi, it's yeah. yeah it's I was say, I'd like an order of temporal yeah, along t- with my <laughs> shrimp temporal. <laughs> the shrimp are phasing in and out of existence. <laughs> and we found our episode title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm craving sushi now. Seriously, no, you yeah, I know. Oh. I have I'm to say, to I do have to say, I I did steal that from Chris Littlefield. The I'd like an order ah. of temporal, because we were discussing why some people call it temporal and some people call it temporal, and now we've decided it's because of British pronunciation. Aluminium. Yes. Well, honestly, <laughs> aluminium is the correct way to say that. We just don't. So. But, you know, there was, I don't remember magnesium, what was, but, plutonium, yeah. mm-hmm. all of those things. It should be IUM. 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 I say temporal and you say temporal. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, a whole Star Trek version of that. That would be really funny. <laughs> that would be, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. You say Orion. I say I Orion. Say Orion. Yes. <laughs> Okay, we're going to have to create that for uh, whatever the next convention is that we're going to be able to go to. Yep. You say mm. sabotage, I say sabotage. <laughs> That's actually what, oh, what you're saying. <laughs> and if you listen to the books, you know, it's like, I say Denoblian, you say Denoblian. <laughs> it's like, which is, no, don't do that. You know, in one of the episodes <laughs> of Lower Decks, they, in one of I the I say data, they, you say data. <laughs> yeah, they... They they spelled Denobulin wrong. I'm like, oh yes, I remember that. Wait, where was this? That they spelled in an episode wrong? of Lower Decks. Lower Decks. Yeah, it was oh, in the a, closed in dialogue. Or... Oh. Yeah, in the closed captioning. Uh, yeah, okay. the the they, thing that got onto your uh, your body parts your, and your mm-hmm. the <laughs> your the woo-hoo. thing that mm-hmm. would um, mm-hmm. that would affect your hoo ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they spelled it D I N, and I'm just like Denobulin. <sighs> I even looked it up to see, and Memory Alpha makes it not Denobulin. It makes it a different entry. <laughs> it's like, that's a thing. I'm like, I, I don't think we can. Okay, whatever. It's a typo. But yeah. <laughs> so there's something that we haven't talked about. The the whole mystery aspect that apparently new Star Trek has to always have. Because we can't just tell a story. It has to be a mystery box story. That's where my personal like <laughs> came in. It was just like. I would love to not have this, the thing that, oh, we have to figure out what this is throughout the whole series. And it ends up being shocking. And normally to make it un, like unguessable, it ends up being kind of dumb to me. So I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, there it is. What is the burn? <gasps> the burn. Where all of the dilithium no. everywhere just. No, what? not all. They never said all. They never said all. Okay, because so there's still the dilithium now. That's true. Too. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They never the said all. The... They said most. Okay. Most. And okay. We but... have you have to remember that this is being told by book, and this right. happened like 120 years ago. So he's just okay. repeating what he's heard. So yeah. I'm just saying. Yes. But I think for the the sake of it being a television show, they're not going to give him weird information that turns out to be like oh you just misinterpreted it later that doesn't seem like the writing that they do i mean they're giving you this information as anyway um so for well, me see, i just that feels really like 
there were so many other things in the 50 plus years of canon that they could have pulled out and new star trek discovery picard really seems to want to find something different create their own thing which i get but at the same time sometimes it feels like you're making stuff up just to be different and it doesn't you know everybody all the fans out there were kind of saying oh the omega particle that would be that would be really fitting and it wasn't that so it just seems i don't so you don't I, this like is my you, personal thing. You don't like the the idea of the dilithium exploding? Is that like? Well, it just it, it seems it's like Thanos level of control of because it's probably not natural because it's not right. I mean, it, it seems like it wouldn't be because I don't think they would spend a whole season trying to figure out a mystery. Oh, it was just you know this natural thing that happens at the at the galactic end life of of the lithium or something like that. Um, so it's probably going to be some force or person which then it gives like who has that kind of control i mean well, unless we're going back to the the book has power maybe is. maybe there's powers yes. other people have and book does yeah and i'm sure it's going to tie into that it's or just, and time travel because it says time travel uh technology has been destroyed so i it makes me wonder if somebody destroyed dilithium therefore trying to destroy some time travel there's some. I'm just thinking. There's got to be some connections. Yeah, but there's like a 400 year gap between the temporal wars and 3188, and so this happened 120 years ish before what we're seeing now in 3188. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't have had anything to do with the temporal wars. They would. That stuff would have been destroyed back then after that war ended not 120 years ago unless somebody was timey wimey <laughs> unless, unless time travel was destroyed and somebody or some people had figured out a way to start it again and somebody was trying to destroy all the dilithium to prevent it from happening again i'm just speculating it's, i'm just throwing it's out the tox utat from from the captain's holiday but <laughs> does what does dilithium have to do with time travel it just helps with the the ships Maybe there. Maybe it's being used for a ship that's supply. used for time travel. Yeah, I'm just well, feeling some ideas. In any yeah. case, I my personal feeling, and this is just a this feeling. Your hand opinion. cannon. This is my <laughs> hand, cannon. hand cannon. I have that's to change the name of that copy. podcast now. It can't be head cannon anymore. It has to be hand <laughs> cannon. Um, I feel like this is not really going to be the main focus of this season. The main focus of this season is nice. finding the Federation yeah, and starting to put back together this, you know, this. Yes. Buck Rogers season two. I agree. Yeah. Yes, you're right. <laughs> That's so I feel like, you know, it may have its focus here and there and she may try to find i mean she's going to try to find out what happened and i think that that's necess not necessarily because i have to know what happened and right. more of let's prevent this from happening again yeah if they're going to rebuild the federation they're going to need to yeah. have that not happen or they're going to exactly. every ship with four drives i mean and I d that's not going to happen because that will definitely destroy the mycelial network true so. and there would not be as many um uh, I don't think you get the navigators to do that. You'd have to have one for yeah. every ship, and that just seems like impossible. 
Exactly. And so I feel like that's going to be part of it, but only in, in the way that it's to keep it from happening again, because book says they didn't really know how or why it happened. They couldn't guarantee it wouldn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. that's, I feel like that's part of just the whole overarching story, which is let's rebuild the Federation. Yeah. And, you know, even though I find like the the way it's set up is kind of goofy, what the effects that it have makes a really interesting universe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there are lots of you can you know compare it to uh, natural resources. So you've got the kind of that message in there. And it just it creates something that we've never had before. And I know a lot of people I've seen people complain that, oh, how can it be Star Trek without the Federation? <laughs> OK, even listening to Burnham, it's like the Federation isn't just just a flag and a thing is what I wanted to say. It's not ships um, and, and flags. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think while it might be uncomfortable, it's not unrealistic. You know, Ro- Rome didn't survive forever. And not to say that it's Rome, but it's, you know, it's that's a thousand plus years. That's a long time for an organization to exist, especially cl- across a galactic, you know, plane uh, with thousands of different species the fact that that lasted that long is kind of incredible uh so i don't have a problem with that and i like the idea of them trying to rebuild it and see what what becomes of that i mean maybe it's even a better you know Mm -hmm. federation well a lot of the a lot of the time you know it's a saying that i heard long ago but i can't remember who said it sometimes have things have to fall apart before they can fall together and sometimes when you've been broken, you come back stronger than before. I'm not saying that it always has to be that way, but this is the situation that we're being presented with. And so the question right. is now, how are they going to do this? So, because yeah. there's just so much they still don't know, and they're going to yeah. have to get up to speed really quickly. Yeah. And one thing I'd like to see in addition to that is there's probably people out there that may not want the Federation back together, mm-hmm. that they're happy with how oh, yeah. it is now. And it's not oh, for the wrong reasons. It's just because they like their life better without the Federation. Or like but, when Romulus exploded, the people who were, you know, like, oh, I can take advantage of this. And, you know, there's it's lawless in that area or whatever. So they got people can, you know, you have to have the Fenris Rangers then. Yeah. Well, you've got to think that uh, the... Orions and the Andorians certainly don't want the Federation back because that destroys their courier business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they don't want everyone to have dilithium. That's why they only give their couriers enough dilithium to get to the, their delivery point and back. They don't want them to be free. They want, right. they basically are still enslaving people. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yep. I'm sorry. A lot of Orions haven't been slaves for at least five years. At least. <laughs> at least. At least. That's very prejudiced of you. No. Uh, yeah, I, I thought of that too. It just feels like they're kind of roping them in and like, you know what? You're, you're, in a, it's like a contract that's like a bad, you know, I don't, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And to be fair, there are plenty of other races throughout the galaxy, even the human race, who have enslaved people. So, oh, yeah. It's not something that is exclusive to Orions. It just happens to be their one of their defining uh, traits in the show, unfortunately. Thanks, original series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually wonder, I can't. Did, did they mention that they were pirates in the original series? I that don't, Ar- 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I was going to say, and I should be asking you this, Aaron. Wasn't it in no, the I, animated series? Well, they did say it in the animated series, so I'm okay. wondering, and I don't remember if before that. It's, it's possible if the animated series is the one who actually set the tone for them being pirates, which is better mm. than slave owners, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So, I don't think it yeah. was in the original series. Yeah, okay. so they would have been. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I never thought yeah. about that. Pirates, uh, no, not necessarily, but slavers definitely because yeah, Orion, yeah. slave girl. Oh right, yeah, no, that I knew. <sighs> oh no, they want to be taken advantage of. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. No one does. Uh, they like being eaten. We are tasty. Yeah. We are tasty. We're delicious. We're delicious. Yeah. We're delicious. Uh, it's great that now we have. It's like The Simpsons. We have a Star Trek comedy language that we can speak to to like make reference of other Star Trek stuff. Yes, uh, love it. Yeah, I almost wonder what, what they're going to do in season two. Like they've used so much of that. It's like things will have to come back. There's so many Easter eggs and so many things that they crammed into season one. I'm like, save some for later. <laughs> oh, there are many, many years oh, of no, that they have yet to yeah. mine. Oh, They'll be just fine. Yes. So uh, what do we think of Grudge? <laughs> I love yeah. Grudge because I love kitties. Kitty. <laughs> oh, look, kitty. <laughs> I, I love, uh, I just, I see... Like there's that scene after they've taken, I know when they're taking the transform back to the sanctuary. Oh yeah, and uh, Grudge is just kind of laying on the console. I'm like, oh, I want to pet you. Uh, it's okay. So I want to uh, just, <laughs> just hanging out. Yeah, just hanging out. I found out, out that chill. Grudge Cat is following Infinite Trek, which is really fun. Excellent. I am following Grudge oh, Cat, wow. so that is good. Yeah. Uh, and also, Grudge is a space cat in all caps, and cat is spelled C A T T E. Space cat. Not just space cat. Space cat. cat. Yes. <laughs> uh, there are people who have said, oh, maybe it's re she's related to Isis. And I think it's just because, like, there's another cat. I mean, it might as well be related to Spot. <laughs> Isis also isn't a cat. Yeah, uh, she's not. So... She's a... Well, maybe Grudge isn't. For well, all we yeah, know, I mean, that's, Grudge... that's kind of what they're they're getting. Yeah, at, but she's well, a queen. Yes, maybe she's, she's a, a queen. literal queen when she queen. Queen. queen, not a queen, queen of the quap. Queen of the quap. I'm never quap. going to live that down, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> we did get enough grudge, though. We didn't. We need more grudge. Yes. yes. Oh, we'll get more grudge. I know we'll get more grudge. Yeah, and I can't wait. I mean, with the whole the season on Star Trek Discovery, Tilly gets to interact with yeah. with Grudge. She's not a cat person. That surprises me. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Did uh? Sorry, saying eventually we'll probably get the uh, Grudge gets kidnapped episode if things go long enough. <laughs> Hopefully not. Mm, I can just oh. see if this was made in 1989, like Grudge somehow would be part of a. Oh, we could see an entire episode from Grudge's viewpoint. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> a day in the life of Grudge. Life of Grudge, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Kind of like a, a night in sick bay, but with the cat. Yes. And from the cat's <laughs> point of view, not Archer's. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, what, I do want to say. Everybody... Yes. No, no, no. Good. I'm just trying to. I was just. I was just going to say, I was made aware that the uh, gentleman who is playing Cosmo is the same gentleman who plays Linus. No. Nice. Yes. 
Oh, wow. So that made me super happy because I'm like, yeah, cool. I had, I would never in a million years have thought that no, because his no. mannerisms are completely different. He speaks his dialogue completely differently. So well done. Well done, dude. Wow. Yeah. Linus is still getting work. That's good. That's Cosmo. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I love that Linus they reuse it. <laughs> yeah. I think he did. Well, it's, it's, it's not really clear how many people went with them, was it? I mean, it uh, felt there's, like a lot. there's a lot. They, did they give people that were like unconscious in sickbay the choice of going or did they just off push them off the ship onto the Enterprise or? I would think they give them a choice, right? They but if they're unconscious. Them, they did give them a choice for heaven. Yeah, but no, no, this is this is literally a question that that uh, Mary Shifo and I discussed at one point. Uh we're just like she's like I just worry about all those people in sick bay because I don't think they were conscious when this happened. <laughs> then like, they wouldn't have taken true. them to the future. They wouldn't have done that. No. That's what well, I'm asking. Right. I'm saying, did they have the time to off put them onto another ship? Is what I was getting at. Yeah, they beamed them off. I would say they would they yeah. would have beamed them off before the battle even started because um, by the time that. They went back to Discovery and figured out that they were going to have to take it into the future. Uh, that would have been the situation where everyone was going to go. You know, everyone yeah. had the choice. But, uh, you know, Michael wasn't intending to have anyone else on the ship. Right. Really. It was yeah. going to be on autopilot. And yeah. that didn't work out. But no. it wouldn't. It, it's really good that they decided to. That some people decide to stay behind, because otherwise that whole situation would never have happened. She would have been like, "Oh, um, they destroyed the shields and the autopilot, and uh, oh, here comes control. Here comes control. Oh, he's getting, <laughs> he's getting the spirit. Oh, oh man, <laughs> I got to go back to about an hour ago and do this again." <laughs> Oh no, it's like the Seven of Nine episode in Voyager where she just keep going back and keeps getting the multiple copies of her keep dying. Um, <laughs> oh, speaking of Voyager, this and this might lead to like maybe other other things that you'd like to see in Discovery. I don't think this is possible. I mean, I don't. I, it is possible. I don't think it's it's plausible that they would do this. But there is a backup copy of the Doctor from Voyager on a planet in the Delta Quadrant that was activated in 3062 or something like that. So he stayed on that planet for a long time, quote unquote. So we don't know exactly how long and then took a ship to find, to go back to find his people. Okay. He had a longing for home. And so he takes off to the alpha quadrant and this is 3188, 188 years. And it's like, that's not unrealistic that maybe he, could show up and he could be the the backup doctor he wouldn't know what any anything that happened after that you know episode but i think that could be really cool and we give him the ability to play somebody who's been alive for 200 years so he could be you know yes and for the first time i saw uh robert picardo tweet oh i'm so excited season three is coming so i'm like hmm I don't know. That's my fingers crossed that if like, why tweet <laughs> I, that? You know? I see this now. I see. Yeah. Cause if the EMH is on discovery, then he can explain to the patients that were unconscious during the travel to the future, <laughs> why they're there and what's going on. <laughs> the robot yeah. said, I'm going to die. <laughs> oh no, Lord. you're going to be fine. <laughs> Uh, I could just—I would love to see Culber and the Doctor working together because they kind of have similar temperaments at times. I can see them both yelling at Stamets. Mm. Well, to be fair, 
generally Culber only acts like that about Stamets, really. And Reno. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stamets and Reno. So, I could see Jet Reno and the Doctor going at it. That would be fun. Yes, I would pay money to watch that, actually. Yes. <laughs> Look, I can reprogram you. <laughs> he wouldn't dare. <laughs> I've already uh, safeguarded all of my algorithms. They cannot be yeah. broken into. <laughs> oh, and I could just see, like, he shows up with his mobile emitter and like, oh, wow, that's old technology. Mm. Yeah. yeah, where'd you get that artifact? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would artifact. go for excuse me. That'd go for a lot on the black yeah. market, you guys. I do like that that was it felt like a subtle nod to like Star Trek props, you know, just, mm -hmm. yeah, just like, oh, somebody pay a lot for a tricorder. Yeah. Yep. Agree. Agree. So uh any final thoughts? Uh what what I we don't do ratings here, but what 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 was your uh your overall thought and and what do you hope for for the season? I guess you're asking me because I'm the guest. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I we could start with Brandy. No, that's okay. Because I, I like Brandy <laughs> having the last word on this. Um, <laughs> well, I, I really enjoyed the episode, as I said earlier in the show. Um, but... Yeah, I'm, I yeah, I don't know what I would rate it, but it would be pretty high. Again, I like the pacing of it. I like that. Um, I there was just I'm trying to think. Yeah, the visuals of it, and uh, we didn't really talk too much about book, but I really liked his mm. character. I really yeah. love getting to know him because at first, just like Burnham, we're trying to figure out who is this guy, what is he up to, can we trust him, can we not. And especially when we got to the mercantile and yeah. when he had her go to the vault and take the rest of her artifacts, I was like, okay, he is not one to be trusted. But at the same time, I felt like, well, he doesn't trust Burnham, but I feel like he's starting to trust her and he's got to do what he needs to do and get dilithium. And as we progress through the episode, I start liking him more. And then when we find what he's doing and he's helping with endangered species, then you know, I'm really loving this guy, you know, it's like, he's on the good side of things. And that ending that we got on the way station really started to tug at my heart because, you know, we're talking about the Federation and, you know, here's Burnham by herself and here's this liaison officer or wants to be part of the Federation and Starfleet there waiting for someone to come in and this is the opportunity he's waited for for decades and then putting up the That's flag. That's crazy dedication. It's just, I mean, the thing about it is if anybody ever says, oh, the, the new Star Trek stuff isn't Star Trek, I, I can't see how you can't watch those last five whatever minutes of this episode and say that's not Star Trek. I mean, the Star right. Trek meaning and messaging, it's all throughout the episode. So I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for the next one. Um I'd love to see what happens with the discovery crew, but I would even be fine if we had another episode that just stayed on Burnham for a while and then see her reunite with the crew. Yeah. True believers. <laughs> I think the one for me, like I, I, I love everything about book. I think it felt like if there was one kind of criticism of, of the story is that it might felt, it felt a little rushed, like as far as like, I don't trust you. Now I trust you. The end. Uh, you know, there was just a little bit. And I know it, and that was my joke that I made in my recap is because it's a television show. We kind of condense that that trust factor time. Um, but 
I I think that there's not much you can do about that. And instead of stretching it out and making it like, will he, won't he kind of, or, you know, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I I like that. They just picked a direction and, and went there. So I think you just have to balance one sort of eh, with another as far as pacing goes. No, um, I mean the pacing worked for me though. I mean, I, it didn't yeah, feel yeah. Too rushed for me. It not at all. And I, I it didn't feel rushed, but me. I think unrealistic. Maybe it's just the yeah. yeah when you look at it overall. But this is also one part of just. I have to get used to Discovery being not like siloed episodes like Lower Decks was. This is a chapter in a book. Yes, ten chapter book. Booker Cleveland. No. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, he had to be in a time crunch because he needed to get Molly back to the sanctuary before her breeding cycle started. True. So he was in a hurry the whole time. Yeah. And and if he was a bad guy, he could have like got her to the sanctuary and then been like, nope, you're done. Bye. Burn him and dropped her off the planet somewhere or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's. Yeah. yeah, but when He's he saw a- Burnham drug, that's when he really started to like her. He goes, she <laughs> yeah. actually kind of be fun. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's just that. I think he also <laughs> saw that she had a lot of, you know, she was one of the true believers, but she obviously wasn't your typical nutbag. Yeah. And he, he had already figured out she was a time traveler by then. Exactly. I think yeah. that walk to the mercantile is when he figured it out and then started yeah. trusting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and the thing, okay, so when they're on the planet that has the sanctuary and Mm -hmm. he asks her what she left behind and he said, uh, he asked her what she left behind and she said 930 years. And he said, why? And she said, to ensure the future, a future. And he says, thank you. And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) just, just all of this for the rest of the episode, just the rest of the episode because when they go to the out the the outpost whatever oops sorry yeah. sorry that's <laughs> gonna be loud uh and uh and she meets sahil and uh mm-hmm. and and many other people have pointed this out but we like fans we are sahil mm-hmm. yeah we, yes. we are the true believers who believe in something that we aren't literally a part of so uh, and then she gave him a commission. I'm just like, oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah. Just you know, because he just he 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 was He's a been commissioned what, since officer. Like ten. Yeah, he had well, been like really, really I, young. He, I think he was probably in his sixties at least. So, okay. so I think he 20s. just was he he presented as younger, but uh, he had, and he'd been there alone all that time. That just that's what that gets just like, breaks yeah. my heart. Like, why couldn't there be more people there? But yeah, no, that was that just so sad. He was just that whole sequence was just yeah. me crying ugly. But I, I, I really loved this episode. Um, it was everything I didn't know I wanted because I didn't, I don't like to have expectations of things because when I don't have preconceived notions, I enjoy things more. So, I was just ready to see whatever future that they showed me. Of course, we'd already had some clues from the trailers, but uh, I I thought, what a start. Was not expecting to see David Ajala with his shirt off. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we got um, a Kirk. <laughs> well, uh, she checked him out more than once. Mm-hmm. So she was not oblivious to that. And 
my mom who has not seen all of seasons one and two of discovery she just she just started recently season one of discovery she still watched season three's premiere because she wanted to know what i was talking about when i do the unready room because she oh, watches wow. that and so and she she had sent me a text except she thought she was sending it to me and she actually sent it to someone else <laughs> but she um she's like well didn't you get my text i said no and she said well i know i sent it and then she went oh <laughs> i oh <laughs> but she she expounded on the virtues of shirtless david and John. <laughs> My mom oh. might be 82, but she ain't dead, people. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you could watch season three and season one concurrently, and there are mm -hmm. like it's it's not you're not gonna get that much of a disconnect. No, that's the that's the beauty of it. So, you know, I told at least her at you this know, point. Maybe, yeah, I said there may be things that you don't have the backstory for, but you know, you you knock yourself out. So yeah. she's and she's very much enjoying discovery. So oh good. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, well, uh, Bruce, where can we find you when you're not here or oh, when I'm on not here. the unready room or on positively Trek, all those places or the book club or all, yeah, all those. Oh things. yeah. Well, that, well, that's the great thing about, uh, positively Trek because we do episode reviews and we do book reviews and we have Kirsten Beyer coming on to talk to lose the earth or new Voyager novel. Ooh. And, uh, so that's in a couple weeks that she'll be on. Yeah. And, yeah, in just a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, so we get, and then we got just like the flagship show that we cover everything Star Trek stuff. So yeah, there's all that kind of stuff going on. And of course, I occasionally, not all the time, but about once a month or so, I appear on the Star Wars report, which I was on more often, but I'm not on as often. Oh, oh we're, we're losing your signal. Oh, oh no. Because oh, no. I'm putting my time and energy into Trek. Ah. <laughs> okay. So there you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm no, on Twitter. We're, we're fine at, with all sci-fi here. Yes, exactly. we are. By the yeah. way, and when in the Mercantile, when they're all shooting and missing each other, I was like, "What is this? Star Wars with stormtroopers? <laughs> is that what's going on here?" Or, I'm guessing the yeah. weapons themselves aren't very accurate. At, I mean, they're accurate at close range, but not the further out like, you go, yeah. the harder it is to hit. True. Yeah. Plus, if you're running and your target is running, you're definitely not going to hit anything. Okay, that would be in my hand cannon. There you go. I I hand cannoned it for you. Hand cannon. And I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. So yeah, there there you go. That's there you go. That's where I am. Great. And Brandy, where can we find you on a, a billion different podcasts? Um, you know, I've, we had to stop using the the under the the uh, lower third because the lower third would turn into like a lower two thirds of the whole screen for, for it's Brandy. Like, I mean, seriously, yeah. everything that I do, I wrote down on an index card and it took up one whole side of an index <laughs> card. So I will just say follow me on Twitter at Brandywine12 so that you can see the posts about the uh, podcasts that I'm on, which are uh, What the Future Holds and The Vedic Assembly and Boldly Go and the live show The Unready Room, which is coming up later tonight. And uh, Hand Cannon. I've had to change the name now already to Hand Cannon. It's <laughs> from Head Cannon and the Dark Corner Podcast. And also... Uh, Go buy pins at Fansets and use our discount yes. code Infinite Trek. That's right. You get 15% off. Uh, I'm yeah. actually, I don't have my, uh, I had a discovery badge at one point and I think I loaned it to somebody on the improvised generation and it's still floating out there. And because of a pandemic, I'm not going to go track it down. Uh, so I'm going to order a fan set one. 
they have the the discovery badge now Oh, cool. I have I have all of the badges from Discovery. I have the medical, the science, the cadet, the engineering, uh, the the uh, the uh, section thirty one. Yeah, I have them all. So nice. But, yeah, I'm wearing my season three Michael pin. You can't see mm-hmm. it from where you are, but this is my season three Michael pin with the wonderful box braid hair. Oh my lord, it's glorious! <laughs> I love this pin so. And I'm wearing nice. a Michael Burnham shirt too. Yay! Oh, wow. oh I'm That's wearing cool. my Academy shirt. Yes, nice. Starfleet Academy. Oh, Aaron's <laughs> guys disco shirt. Yeah, we're all good. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Filter. And next Saturday, I believe it's at five o'clock, I'm going to be on I Fain Love Whiskey, which is Ooh. a podcast about whiskey uh and we get to try to, this is the only podcast that i've gotten like notes ahead of time that says please eat something don't drive afterwards <laughs> you know it's just like wow. okay so yeah so we get to try all these different cool whiskeys it's uh my friend andrew is the host and he goes all over the world and gets all these different whiskeys one time we were going to uh kind of check out the lower decks uh whiskey that came with it and then we realized it's just a, a brand name so we're, we're like no we're not gonna do that so so this is a podcast where you're trying it's whiskey a, yep oh, it's you on here on that. outpost 13 oh, yeah. uh on twitch so yeah you so we get uh, to see you drinking it yes and we see the results afterwards <laughs> i don't know if we see the results afterwards <laughs> you might see the results during uh he does all these really cool things he, he, they do what they call science is there what happens when you add water and little drops to change the like if you put ice in it as opposed to not you know there's so all the there's there's a scientific background behind it too which is kind of fun Interesting. so I, i'm gonna change the name to i fracking love whiskey for that that episode. nice <laughs> nice I, I was gonna ask before the show if we could like you know swear or you know, use it, inappropriate language on this show, but I didn't need to do it. So uh, occasionally <laughs> if it slips out, but I think we're trying to, especially because we're, you know, Saturday mornings or we're keeping it clear Saturday mornings. You're keeping it clean for the kids. Hey, okay. hey, Bruce, kids. if you want to be on a show where we don't censor our swearing, yes. come on over and be on what the future holds or the Ooh. Vedic assembly or boldly go. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. Excellent. You are welcome anytime. Because I was going to ask, are we going to dark corner this live show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. I have a, a, a habit of saying the F word a lot. <laughs> Fracking. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you're a, a Tilly, huh? No. <laughs> I am a Tilly in Tilly. every way that matters. Yeah. Just needs the red hair. I love feeling feelings. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, we will maybe be a, list, a little less clunky next week with the uh, with the preview recap thing. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. I actually had fun putting it together. It was just it was a little rushed. So, um, but I think it's a really good way to let people, especially if they haven't, if they've seen the episode or they want to like just a recap of it, or if they haven't seen it, but they still want to, to pop into the show. So, all right. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, Brandy, you're on later on, uh, the unready room, which is at Mm -hmm. 6 PM Pacific, I believe. 6 PM Pacific, 9 PM Eastern. Yes. So Kurt Tratz productions on YouTube. So check out Brandy today. If you want to hear her talk about this more, Yes, because it will be a completely different conversation, as each one so far has been. 
Yeah. No, we've been really lucky about that. It's kind of fun. Uh, it is. Fun. These, those are the mirrors of it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, and we will see you next week. Live long and prosper. Infinite Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Coconut!